Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. Here again to discuss the upcoming Crystal Palace game. And we're also going to, for the first time, properly in depth cover the under-21s and also the Fulham women's team, uh, both getting off to absolutely outstanding starts of their season. Here to talk through everything with us, we have Elton. How are we going? I'm good and uh, no medical issues to report, fully hydrated, well rested. Um, so, yeah. thought I'd throw to you first this time, just so you didn't sound completely underwhelming in comparison. So uh, I'll throw across to our other co-host, oh. Sammy. How are we tonight? Jeez. I'm none of those things. I'm dehydrated <laughs> and tired and riddled. Riddled with all manner of uh, terminal illnesses, which will kill me slowly. I'm doing good though. I'm doing good though. I'm I'm here. I'm I'm, I'm ready for anything. You know, just just bring it on. Let's 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 talk some white stuff. Not that sounded bad. Let's talk for them. <laughs> I'm going to have to skip you in future. I think I'll just say, <laughs> and Sam is here too. Um, let's get straight into it. Um, obviously, off the back of last week's result. A, a pretty drab and dire 1-0 win, but a win nonetheless against Luton. Um, guys, now that we've had a couple of days to just sort of sit on the game, how are we feeling post-match about that performance and about coming home with the three points? Well, just that. I, I feel no different, honestly. I'm happy to get three points. I don't mind a little bit of drab um, as long as we win. And uh, we we do that half a dozen times this season maybe more, and I'll take the 20 points. Thank you very much. Yeah, I've been mulling a little bit. Um, I, I, I want to say I have, like, I have got a lot of anxiety about playing Crystal Palace. I've been saying since the start of the season, I feel like this is a um, real test of where exactly we are. I think it does kind of, like, lie upon whatever starting lineup uh, Silver drops. But um, yeah, I'm I'm curious. I'm anxious. I'm excited. Um, uh, I want Vinicius to start. I think is my underlying sentiments. I'm glad you've just like skipped straight ahead to the team lineups. But this is what I do. Let's, what I do. <laughs> let's just wrap the podcast up there and finish it all off. Thanks for listening, everyone. Sponsored um, by Squarespace. Yeah, good job. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of the game, so we've obviously got Palace this week, uh, 3 p.m. kickoff on Saturday, the 23rd of September. For those of us overseas, 10 a.m. on the west coast of Australia, midnight for those on the east coast, uh, 7 a.m. kickoff uh, in the west coast of the U.S., 10 a.m. on the east coast. Uh, and obviously, as we did last week as well, we'll post up a little map with all the different places around the world and the times for the kickoff games. Um, thanks to everyone who interacted and told us where they were watching the game from. There's quite a few dotted all over the place, which is always good to see. Um, let's jump into the form. We obviously know Fulham's form has been, uh, I guess, a little bit up and down looking at that. But when you actually look at the last, last five fixtures, you see Brentford, Arsenal, Tottenham, Man City and Luton. Obviously, Luton is the odd one out there. But Brentford, uh, hurts me to say it, but they're a decent side. And then Arsenal, Tottenham, Man City should all be expecting to challenge for Champions League spots the fact that we've actually come out of those games I know Tottenham is a is a cup game but effectively come out of those games um kind of level on points there with two wins a draw and two losses do we feel like we're sort of starting to find our feet a little bit this season 
I think it was a brutal opening and a very difficult start, particularly given our preparation with injuries and, you know, quite a lot of drama um, going on at the, the sort of latter stages of the window. It, it, it's, it's been a really difficult opening for us. And I think we've got through it pretty well. Um, not a great showing against Brentford, but for the rest, um, not really not too bad. I mean, uh, what you've missed there as well is we picked up points against Everton, which, which again was a little similar to uh, the Luton mm. game, in, in that it wasn't wasn't fancy, but um, you know, six points from those two fixtures, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, well, my, I mean, yeah. Yeah, but you you've got more. Yep. Yep. No. Go. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Look, I, I've, I've <clears throat> with this run of starting games, I don't really fully know where we are. It's been really choppy. It's been really stop start. Um, so I feel that I feel that um, this Crystal Palace game is probably going to be our best indication of what what how strong our side is because I, I really see them as um, very on par with us. And I, I genuinely see them as like a good team. Um, it's, it's definitely not going to be the same team that we pumped. Uh, like, was it four nil last time we played or like four one? Um, because like, yeah, they've, um, Vieira is out. Yeah. Something like that. The Vieira is out. Um, uh, Roy Hodgson's cleaned up. I think um, uh, that I think they have some very very good players, and I think they are well organized. I think it's going to be a, a like a very appropriate test for us. I'm just very anxious to see how we play against um, uh, genuinely our, our equals, or at least they should be our equals. I think. I, I think you're probably right. This is our first real. Um, I wouldn't say test of the season because I'd say Brentford. Uh, as the table suggests, are sitting around us as well. But mm. um, obviously with the sending off in that game, it, it kind of ruined the potential to see where we sit this season so far. But Palace, like you said, they've got the same um, record as us so far with two wins, a draw and two losses. I'd say in terms of the quality of players they have, it's probably pretty similar to our level. Yeah. A couple of, couple of very good players, but in general, a a pretty stock standard Premier League team, I'd say, and like a, a mid-table team. And it's the kind of team that we should almost be looking to replicate and then build upon uh, like teams like Villa and Brighton have done in the in the last year or so, a couple of years even. So mm. I think this is going to be our first real um, gauge of how we actually are going to go this season and, and how deep our squad is. But I have to say, I know Luton wasn't, I mean, it's a win, but it, it didn't feel like the best result because you feel like you should really be putting teams like that away. I mean, yeah, that Luton side, we we sp- it's, admittedly it's a different side. Both teams are different, but we spanked them seven nil a couple of years ago, and then down the track we we should be maintaining that sort of gap between us and Luton. And to only beat them one nil this time is it doesn't feel like a loss as such, but it just feels like maybe we should have scored a couple more and it, it it did feel like there was a bit of a gaping hole in terms of goal scoring that um, I'm hoping we start to sort of rectify in the coming weeks. Yeah, it's, it Luton game's a bit weird as well because it comes off of previously shaky circumstances as well. So I think a 1-0 win is justified because I, I did think we were, I think that game was more of a bit of like a mental hurdle for us to get over 
and to come out with like a good result. But I wouldn't, I, to be honest, I, even if we would have got a draw, I wouldn't have been happy with it, but I would have been vaguely understanding just because of the whole like Jow sitch. Um, so yeah, this, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of intrigue for me. It's very, it's a, there's, this is the first game. I think that there's a real narrative and I love a narrative. Yeah, fair cool. Um, let's have a look at Crystal Palace's recent form. Um, uh, it's quite quite interesting looking at this because they've had sort of similar games where they played Arsenal, lost 1-0, played Brentford, drew one all. Uh, they beat Plymouth 4-2 in the Carabao Cup, beat Wolves 3-2, and then lost to Villa quite convincingly 3-1. Um, actually, that wasn't convincing. There were a couple of late goals in that Villa game, so it was a tight one, but... Um, Still, I mean, the scoreline at the end looks looks fairly convincing. Um, Dad, looking at those results and the teams they've played, I mean, their only real win there is against Wolves. Um, I don't think you can count a win against Plymouth in the Cup uh, quite on the same level as our win against Tottenham in the Cup, for example, which was a pretty strong Tottenham team who we beat. Do we feel maybe because they got that win on the first day of the season, maybe the results sort of flatter them a little with... Um, just wins basically against Wolves recently? Look, we're we're somewhat at risk of trying to make sense statistically of a very small sample here. But um, look, they're not bad results. You know, um, 1-0 loss to Arsenal, no shame in that. Holding Brentford to one all, better than we did. But I felt like a lot of things went wrong for us and we sort of, I, I'm not sure the scoreline in that Brentford game uh, against, uh, you know, our game against Brentford really told the full story. Um, I, I don't really know where Wolves are, but I don't think it's a great place. So 3-2, yeah. conceding two goals to Wolves, is that I did, yeah. Probably not. No, I don't think so. Um, and Aston Villa, I mean, they're a good side, so... Um, well, in that in that Villa game, um, Palace were one nil up in the eighty seventh minute and lost three. Wow. Sorry, three one. I mean, that's as an eighty seventh minute goal, uh, eighth bad. minute and eleventh minute of injury time. Yeah, that's uh, that that uh, that's a major loss of concentration. I mean, we'd be we'd be pretty depressed if uh, we we lost that game last week in that fashion. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And look, the 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 other win that Palace have in the league so far was opening day. They beat Sheffield United one nil. So, um, I mean, admittedly, we beat Everton one nil. A fairly similar sort of fixture by the sounds of things. So, I, I think the this really does feel like two teams on a fairly level playing field coming up against each other. Um, and I mean, it's kind of good to have this kind of game early in the season. It's just about how you respond to it and if you actually can make sure that you make the most of an opportunity like this because a win here is actually really important for us in the way we set up the rest of the year. Um, Mm. If we have a look at the table quickly, we can see obviously it is early days, so it's quite congested uh, around that sort of mid-table zone. Uh, Palace sitting on seven points, a a better goal difference than us. Obviously, that's after the spanking that we copped at Man City, but um, both Palace, Fulham and Nottingham Forest all sitting on seven points. This is a a bit of an opportunity to leapfrog Palace um, and then, you know, maybe push Villa and push Forest as well and uh, 
could even see us pushing up sort of towards that seventh spot by the end of the weekend. Um, just having a look at the fixtures and who the other teams have. Um, Nottingham Forest, can't even see their fixture. Oh, they play Man City, so you'd expect them to probably lose that game. And Villa play Chelsea, so you never really know what's going to happen in a game like that. It, it really could be a moment where we actually do get that little jump in the table and, and boost ourselves up the, the table a little bit. Um, guys, how are you feeling? Obviously, we, we sort of touched on it a bit with the fixtures so far, but in terms of picking up seven points from the first five games, did we feel like that was realistic at the start of the season or do you think we're maybe potentially slightly overperforming? I'm starting to feel that um, Fulham having some tough games at the start of the season kind of plays to not our strengths it plays to our challenges because we are slow starters we we never you know settle business early in the window we're always playing catch up um and so why not have a few tough games without having five or six tough games so we we're completely devoid of confidence but why not have a few tough games get them out the way teams you're probably most likely to lose against anyway um and and then once we've found our feet, got a little bit of stability and starting to find a, a, a little bit of form, we start playing our peers. Mm. I mean, I'm 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 a big advocate, as it's kind of echoing, like I'm a big advocate for like playing tougher teams at the beginning. And then because essentially it just I think I think it's good for mental preparation going into games like this because honestly I I feel that this game has more anxiety attached to it than Chelsea like next week because um Chelsea next week that we can't necessarily like expect um a lot from that they're kind of on the ropes right now so we have a great um opportunity to do something awesome there and I actually have a lot more excitement about a game like that than a game like this because I feel like with a game like this, there's a lot more pressure associated with it. Right, so I'm glad we've already... Win. Yeah, it, no, it has to be. It has to be. Um, uh, way more so than um, a game against Arsenal, a game against Man City. Like, Because those games, you're really just kind of like... You are just testing yourself against like the big boys. And if you come out with a great result like you did against um, Tottenham and Arsenal, that's awesome, but it's not expected of us. Um, this game, we are expected... To, I mean, we should always we should always be giving our contemporaries the most competitive run that we possibly can, and um, we should have uh, done that in the Brentford game. But again, outside circumstances, yeah, uh, what are you going to do? You can't. Don't look back in anger, Oasis. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, this this one, we I feel like we really have to get a result from this. I I I'm, I'm I feel sick about this game. To be perfectly honest, I don't like it. I think, um, you know, if you if you really break it down and simplify it, there's 38 games in a season. We know that 38 points is effectively safety, at least over the last couple of seasons. And historically, 38 points basically gets you safety now. You want one point a game. So a, a win here takes us to 10 points from six games. And it just gives us that little buffer um, over the teams around us and over the chasing pack and all those other teams that are, are trying to avoid relegation, it gives us that bit of breathing room. And I think it's important. And the fact that we've got through a couple of those really tough games in Arsenal and Man City already just means that you're not looking over your shoulder constantly because the worst thing would be 
to be a team like even Bournemouth at the moment, who have three points from five games and have to play Brighton this weekend. So they'd be looking at it and going, right, that might be three points from six games. And then after that, they might have, I, I don't know, their fixture list, for example. But, you know, if they don't pick up points for a couple of games, they might be seven games in with three points on the board, meaning they basically have to win their next two games just to be back on par again. And you mm. don't want to be in a position like that. If we can give ourselves that tiny little buffer, it means that against Chelsea, you go, it'd be great to get some points here. But if we if we screw this up and, and don't get anything out of it, it's not the end of the world because we're still slightly ahead of where we need to be. And I mm. think you do, when you're a team like like Fulham and, and like Palace and Forest and Villa and all those teams around us, you, you are constantly looking over your shoulder a little bit. So if you can give yourself that buffer, you're not in that same position and, and you can play with a little bit more freedom as well. And you go into games going, right, guys, we can, we can go out and attack because we don't need to be worried about potentially dropping points here. We can go and actually try and take all three. Worst case scenario, then you just change it up very slightly. But you, you can actually push and try and get three points right from the off in games like this because you do have um, that little buffer behind you. One thing I really hope for in this game is I really hope we go out with a really clear set plan and no matter what happens, we really stick to that plan and we remain composed the entire game because I, I I feel that this is going to be mentally quite quite grueling. I think we'll concede. I think um, uh, I think we're going to have to score minimum two goals. And I would just really like to see the guys go out and essentially just dominate the game in terms of like how we want to play it. If that's um, high possession, if that's high press, I don't know what Silva has in store, but I just want to go out and see us play our game and not Crystal Palace's. Well, there's an interesting uh, sort of tension up front now for us, isn't there? You've got two guys really vying to be the striker of choice. Um, Vinny hasn't had that many opportunities over the last weeks. Jimenez trying his heart out. Everyone knows he's got the quality, but his form is awful, you know, in terms of, uh, well, it's awful in terms of um, scoring goals, which is what strikers kind of predominantly need to do. It's awful. No, no shade on the guy. I'm just saying, calling it like it is. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, those guys, whoever Silver selects to start, will be giving it their all. And I think that is a good thing. Um, and I, look, uh, you, you know, Roy, Roy Hodgson isn't going to come flying at us. It's, he's not that kind of a manager. He's, he's much cagier than that. But Silver is a very attacking manager. And he is going to want to, he'd be well aware of the fact that this is our little run of games where we could collect a few points and we have to collect points in this game, hopefully three. He'll, he'll be going hard. So I, I don't see us sitting back and being cagey at all. Not sure if I fully agree with um, uh, what you said about like Raul. Um, just, just purely because like at the end of the day, we have been scoring goals. Like, I, I I don't think we've had a single game where we haven't scored uh, yet. I don't know, Jack might be able to correct me there. Oh, yeah, Brentford. Uh, yeah, I, that was 3-0, wasn't it? But I think as long as like we actually are scoring goals, 
and then um, we're creating opportunities to score. We're at least doing that. So at the, at this, at the same time, if um, Jimenez isn't like banging in like three goals a game, but he's contributing positively to goals being scored, I can see that as a positive. Um, so I'm not, I wouldn't necessarily say he's been terrible. He's just been unfortunate at not being at the end. Of I, I didn't goals. say that. I, I did not well, use the did. word terrible. I said his form is terrible. If, if you measure his form in terms of scoring goals. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think that's necessarily entirely fair. I don't know, Jack. What do you reckon? I think it kind of is, to be honest. I think a striker needs to be judged on goals scored, and I think he now hasn't scored in it could be something like twenty six or twenty seven games. And as a striker, where your sole job is to score goals, he, he's picked up two assists in that time. Um, and yes, admittedly, it doesn't tell the full story because you might be involved in the build-up play as well. And I, I I actually quite like him. I think there's something there. But, uh, you know, you, your main job as a striker is to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, and it's it's not happening for him at the moment. I, I really do feel like once he does, he'll, he'll actually score a couple more off the back of it. But at this stage, I, I, th- I think you kind of have to set a line in the sand and just say, you're still not scoring goals. We have to give someone else a chance because you can only back a striker so much. And I, I'm I'm a big fan of backing someone in for an extended period of time and letting them have the opportunity to turn their form around. But I think five games now, I think he started all five. I think now's the time where we probably have to go, right, um, Vinny's come off the bench and scored a goal. Um, he's, he's played, you know, a handful of minutes this season, basically, and he's already ahead of you in the goal scoring charts. You've started every single game and can't put the ball in the back of the net yet. You have to kind of just say, now's the time to make the change. Oh yeah, no well, one. I can't, yeah, I can't no, disagree with that. I want no one. Size, no one inside or outside of the change room could point a finger at Silver and 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 say that he hasn't given Benny, sorry, um, Jimenez a really decent chance. And I think Silva's pretty good at doing that. I I know he does like to 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 back form, but he he's also very prepared to back the man and say, you know, if I want if I see you as um, my man for that that given position, he does actually um, back people in. But um, look, I, I don't mean to create any pressure on the guy. Not like not like Silva's listening to me, but I don't <laughs> wish to. Um, suggest that he should be kicked out. What I'm saying is that I like the tension that's mm. developing between Vinny and Jimenez, and I think it's healthy, and it it hopefully forms a basis to drive both of them to do their really be- very very best. And look, he's he scored um, six goals in his last 53 appearances since that. Uh, pretty horrific head injury. So it's understandable that it takes a while to bounce back. But I, I just feel like as a striker, you need to start scoring goals. And if you're not scoring goals, it, you can't really argue with a manager who says, I'm going to have to go with someone else. Um, the only way to keep yourself in the team as a striker is to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, so, yeah, I mean, between the three of us here, are we all pretty much on the same page that it would be great to see Vinny start this Palace game? Oh, totally. He's he's the he's the guy yeah. for it. Like the guy, the guy, the guy under pressure. He's like he's like a CIA agent. Like I've never seen 
like he he he's he's our big money player. <laughs> he just always turns up when we need him. It's great. I love him. Well, the shadow's cleared away, and and Vinny is no longer, you know, okay. Jimenez has got international caps. He he's got quality. He's a known player, and he's a proven player. But Vinny has proved himself within this team, and I'm sure Mitro intimidated him somewhat. And he probably felt like he was never, ever going to displace Mitro unless Mitro was suspended or injured. Even a run of eight terrible games would still not see Mitro dropped from the starting lineup. He might get subbed, but he was never going to get dropped. And now it's totally different. And I think I think Vinny's got, beyond the bravado of, you know, the Tom Foolery, I, I actually think he's really starting to believe that he can do it. I really do. And no, I, love I, think, it. I think I think that's true as well. And like I think I think he has love from the fans and definitely love inside the locker room as well. Like they, there's truly no disputing that. He's he's very adored. And I feel that he he's he's this is probably the peak of his career right now. Um bless him. He's he's probably never gonna play for Brazil, but I mean, for this season and for at least until like the next transfer window, he can, he's very much could be our starting striker and very well deserved. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's the era of Vinicius and it's, it's a beautiful, I, beautiful I think thing. He, I think, I think he's going to actually do it. I, no, I me too. think he's going to come on and actually have a bit of a red hot uh, yeah. period. He's one of the, he's one of he seems like one of those like very like beautiful people that just thrive when they get a spotlight and all they just need is confidence and it meant, like he could not be more confident at this at this time and place. I think the other thing as well to consider is we we don't play the same style of football that we did last year. Uh, last yeah. year was all, obviously all based around Dollar in the Jar, Mitro and the way we put the ball on his head and and played in a very specific way. And Vinny had to fit into that style. Now we actually have the ability to play a style that suits Vinny. And and I think Vinny and Jimenez's styles are actually fairly similar. They're they're very slightly different players, um, but they they do things in a a similar fashion at the same time, if that makes sense. Um, And so I I think we're actually able to get the most out of these guys now because... Um, we don't set up every training session to be doing one particular thing constantly over and over again. We're in a position now where we can actually play to Vinny's strengths, which I think is a massive difference and will be hugely beneficial for him as well going forward. And same with Jimenez as well, because you're not playing, trying to pretend to be someone else. You get to be yourself as a striker, which just helps you exude confidence as well on top of that. Mm. Um. Speaking of, let's have a look at our top goal scorers for the season. This is something we'll be continuing to uh, keep an eye on as the season goes on. Um, I've, I've marked Vinny as the top goal scorer, and why not? Because he's the most recent one. Um, even though he is tied for first, one goal apiece for Carlos Vinicius, Bobby Decadova-Reed, Andreas Pereira, Jao Polina, and Tim Ream. Um, I'd like to see Tim Ream maybe pop up and score a goal this weekend and sit on top of the top goal scorer charts for a week. I think that would be really nice. Could definitely He'll probably happen. frame it and put it on his wall at home. <laughs> um, our predictions for this coming game, then, guys. Um, it's our second last game in September. Uh, it has the potential to be a really good month for us, actually, uh, apart barring the Man City game. But um, 
Sammy, your prediction for this game? Yeah, I've gone for a 2-1. I'm kind of surprised that uh, Dad uh, also went for a 2-1. I want to hear the justification for that. Um, uh, I I, away his prediction as well. It's just your prediction, Sammy. It's literally on the screen. Uh, like there is, yeah, it's it's right there. Come on. Um, yeah, no, I reckon. Um, I reckon if we are going to win this, because I'm I'm being optimistic and saying that we are going to win this, we're going to have to score minimum of two because I reckon we will concede. Um, I'm not. I don't know if it's going to be uh, power scoring first or us scoring first, but I think um, minimum two, and then essentially we'll just have to control the game as long. As, uh, hopefully, as long as we play our game and uh, don't get caught out, I can see that being the end result. But I, I could also see a one nil as well. But um, I, I, I think we're going to concede. Would you like to have yeah. a multi on this, Sam? No, I'm, I'm no, I'm just self-righteous. Anyway, go yeah. on. <laughs> uh, yeah, sadly, I, I don't think we've hit the 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 point in the road where we're gonna where I can back us to have a clean sheet. I, I, I wish that was different, and it will possibly hurt us over the next few weeks if we uh, can't improve on that. But I don't know where it's going to come from. I'm not necessarily forecasting that I'm really scared of the Palace strike force, but uh, I, I think we will concede a goal, but I feel like um, whoever starts for us is going to get at least one, and then uh, one will come from elsewhere. You know, whether it be Pereira or uh, or the guys on the wing, or who knows, maybe someone uh, from a corner. Who knows? But I, I, mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like we've got two goals in us. Yeah, I definitely. I, def- I definitely don't see Vinicius scoring two. Hopefully, see him scoring one, or actually, uh, more likely, I think it's going to be um, Raúl off the bench. Genuinely, think it's going to be him and his <laughs> off the bench to score at least one. But yeah, yeah that it's going to be, be interesting. That would be amazing. I think you really do need to put a multi down on this game, Sam, because you you seem to have worked the whole thing out in your head already. Yeah, I just like I love, narratives. I, love, I can just see it. I, I, it's I like mighty. Way, I love the way Sam actually talks you through the sequence of uh, goal scoring as well. Mate, I got happen. it. Yeah, it's a it's a storyboard. It's, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it's remember the Titans. It's all that good stuff. It's the longest yard. I pl- I play the whole thing out. I play the whole thing out. Well, I I can see this one being a one nil victory for us. I feel like Polina, his performance last week. Uh, I mean, it was it was amazing, and and I think he's just revving up as well. I I can see. The, the, the main danger, I think, from Palace comes from um, Eze through the middle. He creates a lot for them. And mm. I just can't see him getting past Polina. And I think that's actually where where the shutout comes. I, I think um, Odson Edouard is, is Palace's centre forward at the moment. He is scoring goals. But I, ju- I just feel like our, our defence, I reckon there's probably going to be a change this weekend as well. Wouldn't be surprised if we saw Calvin Bassey come in because Palace do have that little bit of extra pace. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we we went with Bassey and maybe Diop just to try and lock down that pace a little bit more and a bit of physicality as well. Um, But, yeah, I I can see us getting a shutout and actually getting a clean sheet here and a couple of clean sheets. I don't think we're going to score bundles of goals. I'd love to see us score two, but I I really think this is probably tending towards a 1-0. Yeah, I can totally see that. Like, I, 
I've only said two, I've only said two one just because yeah I, I I can just see Palace scoring on us as well I can see this I can see them breaking our defense somehow I think we will I would think we will, I think you are right I think we will shut down um uh, Eze for the vast majority of the game but they still got Elise and yeah um yeah Edward I, I think I think he's really strong as well I mean like scored last time we played against him I'm pretty sure I feel like I remember that mm. could be wrong I'll say it. I'll say it now. I'll take another dirty win. Of course you will. One thing, though, it does appear <laughs> that Elise is probably going to be out. Um, he's done. He did a hammy a little while ago, and um, it seems like he's actually been sidelined for a significant period, it says. So we won't yeah. see Elise playing against us on the weekend. We will see Eze, though, but... Um, I mean that's that's a big out for Pass as well. He's he's a very classy player, obviously wanted by a number of big clubs in the transfer window, and um, Palace may keep hold of him. Uh, but yeah, the fact that he's going to be missing will definitely make a difference for us. I think apart from that, they do have a pretty clean bill of health. Um, so yeah, it's it's looking like it's going to be a really good game. As we've sort of said, they they're sitting about our level at the moment. So. It's going to be really good to actually get a bit of benchmarking for this season because it's been hard. You can't benchmark yourself against Man City. You can't benchmark yourself against Luton. They're two different ends of the scale. So to play a team who are sitting level with us in the league, it's going to be a really interesting game. And I'm, I'm looking forward to watching this one and really seeing how Fulham dig deep and seeing if we can actually come out the other side with uh, all three points. And hopefully we can. And we've all predicted that we most definitely will. So, guys, let's move on now. This is uh, a sort of a new segment for us. For the first time, we are going to be covering the under-21s, and we're looking to do this in more detail throughout the rest of the season. And as our slide on our live stream says, the under-21s are currently cruising, sitting top of the league, four wins from four games, um, really good results as well in the EFL Trophy, where they've had draws with Portsmouth and Leighton Orient who are both League One sides. Um, and look, guys, I, I mean, it's it's tough for us because we've only just started really trying to follow the under-21s. But, Dad, your, your thoughts on how they're going so far this season and the, the talent sort of sitting in and around that squad? Oh, look, impressive. And I think, as we were talking earlier, um, they are doing exceptionally well, notwithstanding the fact that some of the best talent in that side um, are actually out on loan. Um, so uh, if, you, if you consider who they're competing against in that league, it's it's exciting. And, uh, you know, I, I haven't really watched a lot uh, of their highlights, but I, I did take the time to watch a little bit uh, that was up on the, the Fulham website. And the quality there is, you know, is is not miles off uh, senior football. Um, and I guess you'd expect that because some of those players are sitting on, on the bench occasionally for us. So, you, you you know, you would assume that. But, look, um, I guess for, as, as we've been saying for such a long time now, and I know it's a widely held view, it would be so good if a majority of these guys see their way through to the first team over the next few years. And I guess that's what we're trying to um, um, help bring an awareness 
uh, of these these players so that uh, when, when they do make make their way onto the bench and hopefully into the team, uh, everyone knows about them. Yeah, the thing I really appreciate about them is just their tenacity. Like, um, they score a lot of goals. Like, they um, they seem to counterattack really, really well and just be really, really strong in attack. I mean, um, their last game, what, they scored, like, four goals. Again, been really, really convincing. Um, uh, yeah, really, really strong. And, yeah, I just, I just want to see um, a lot of these guys just find their way to essentially go up the ranks before they potentially inevitably move on somewhere else or get get poached. It would be it would be nice to see um Silver establish something where we do have like a really nice through line of like players coming seamlessly into the squad and like taking over positions like um Polinia's so we don't necessarily so we can always know that there's someone coming in yeah, that that's I mean that's the dream, isn't it? It's um it's an interesting point you make in saying, you know, that we we do have a pretty bad history, at least in, in the last few years, of letting some of those really top class youth players go. I think of players like Patrick Roberts, who left for Man City, Harvey Elliott. Admittedly, these guys went on for, for fees, not huge ones, but there's also guys like Matt O'Reilly who's having a really good spell at um at Celtic at the moment, um, Luca De La Torre. Uh, there's, there's a lot of guys out there playing, you know, a really good standard of football um, who we've sort of let slip through our fingers. But I do feel like, and I don't know if you guys have noticed as well, there's a number of players who are now signing contract extensions. And it feels like maybe Fulham are putting a little bit more emphasis on signing up these under-21s guys for slightly longer contracts, but just securing their futures as well. Um, well, think, yeah. Go on, Sammy. Oh, I was just going to say, um, like um, the the Brentford and Brighton Brighton models of uh, succession within uh, the club, like the club for like players, has been so well established now. I mean, you can't you can't not see how successful that's been and want to essentially follow suit. So I think. Uh, especially for mid-table clubs like us with like a lot of like talent, it really should be in Fulham's best interest to essentially see those types of like models and actively be looking to essentially um, uh, capitalize on that. Because honestly, as well, I mean, not to get too grubby about it, but honestly, y- you can you can make a serious financial killing um, as um, these clubs have like established very very recently if you essentially put in place precedent for these younger guys to essentially come into the squad and then if they do want to move on, they can, but at least actually get them to the point where they're actually in the squad first um, established, even if they're just on like rotation, it's, I I mean, it's a, it's a really, really strong thing that is, I, I feel, I feel that lots of clubs will be trying to do this, but we're in the best position because we just have such a strong youth team. I said it last week. Um, I just feel that something may be changing. I'm not sure if that's just wishful thinking. Um, but it, it feels like with um, some of the contracts that have been signed recently for some of these young guys, it, it seems like things are changing. And there does appear to be a switch in emphasis on our youth and trying to keep them. And hopefully... 
if we we start believing as a club that we are actually safe somewhere around the mid table, forgetting our ambition for a moment, but just somewhere safe around the mid table, maybe for a couple of years, that'll that'll give um, Marcus Silver the headroom to to know that he he can confidently give these young guys a go. You know, yeah. and and may and maybe our transfer policy, being as modest as it is, uh, will mean that he's forced to look that way. Yeah, it'd be really nice to see like a system established, as in like an actual play style that um, complements younger players actually coming in. Yeah. Again, I'm not going to get that. No, but no, but it's it can be done. It like because it's being done at Brentford and Brighton and like other places. Well, Jack's shaking his head, but like, well, no I'll, I'll stop um, you there because Brighton don't sign players for their academy who come through into that. They sign really good young first team players who are picked out of nowhere. They don't actually play yeah. in their academy. Brighton's mm. Fulham have outperformed Brighton's academy for the last five or six years, maybe even longer. Um, Brighton, Brighton have and Brentford. No, no, but they don't sign players to their academy. That's very different. We, we're actually talking about players who Fulham are very good at identifying players at like the age of nine, ten years old and having them stay at the club for ten years and come up through the system. And then, unfortunately, we've been really bad at retaining those players. Brighton and Brentford don't do that. They sign players who are already 20, 21, 22 and basically put them as backup for the first team straight away. It's, it's, it's a very different system. And I actually think our system is is better than those we've just been really poor at uh, actually keeping hold of those players if you keep hold of some of those players and look at the kind of team we could have now imagine having Harvey Elliott Ryan Sessegnon Matt O'Reilly the, these guys who are all chopping up for for you know Dan Byrne even someone like that who came through our academy Chris Smalling got bought into the academy as well these are top end players and we've we've just let them slip through our fingers that that's where the problems lie but what I'm saying is, though, if you've got, like, say, a playing style like Burnley that relies on being, oh, well, not Burnley of, like, recent times, but Burnley under, like, Sean Dyche that relies on being really, really strong, really, like, powerful players, things that, like, favour, like, people closer to their, like, mid-20s as opposed to, like, quick playing, counter-attacking, um, uh, like, intelligent passing kind of style of play, that favours younger players coming into a squad. But that's I, how our I under twenty ones play. Yeah, yeah, I but I'm think it's yeah, going to be more serendipitous than this. I think it'll be a mix of Silver not quite getting the transfers that he wants, uh, maybe injuries. Look, look at look at what happened in the summer series. I know it's preseason, but we didn't really have a full squad. We took some young guys out to uh, America, and you know, some might say they were probably filling the team sheet, um, you know, to, to, to protect, well, not to protect, but to, to fill in for Tim Ream and a couple of other guys. And and people get a go and they pull a rabbit out of a hat and they're surprised. And suddenly um, they get noticed um, or there's a sense of belief that forms around them. And may, maybe just, Naturally, um, this is a moment where some of those players uh, who come back from loan, uh, as well as some of the guys who are performing really, really well, get an opportunity. 
also as well, sometimes the path to true enlightenment isn't looking outward, but looking inside your youth team. Okay. Just about acceptable, but um, look, I, I think I think this is probably uh, we we always I think lots of clubs look at their youth teams and go, this is a great crop of youngsters, and they're going to do great things because someone scores a hat trick in a youth game, and you go, yeah, this is. This is great. But I, I look at our youth team now, and, and just to name a handful of the guys, you've got Jay Stansfield, who had a really good season at Exeter. He's gone to Birmingham this year on loan and is is really performing out of his skin. He scored um, three in his last four. He's, you know, already loved by the Birmingham fans. you got um, Marshall Godot as well, who's over at Wigan. I think he only played in his first game on the weekend against Cambridge, but um, straight away, the, the fans online were just saying, this guy is something really special. And that's the kind of things you want to be hearing. And we saw it last season as well. I think it was Tay Ashby Hammond was out on loan at Northampton for the season. And he played a full season for them down in League Two and, and had a really good year. And all the fans saying, this is a really top-class goalkeeper and someone who will be good for the future. Um, Kieran Bowie's at Northampton as well. Terrier Blade at Carlisle. There's really good players out on loan, but the fact is we've also got a really good um, squad currently playing as well. If you look at guys like Dibley Diaz, who I think is a really talented player, mm, yeah. um, obviously just signed a new contract, but he really impressed in the summer series, I thought. He, he didn't have a huge opportunity there. He played a couple of 45 minutes, but I really like the look of him. And um, on top of that, we've also got blokes like Luke Harris and um, Luke DeFugeroles as well, who we know is a is a top talent and it, it just feels like this is a really exciting group with a lot of really good players and then going even further down in the under 18s there's also a bloke called Josh King who um, is definitely one to watch he's he's being picked out as sort of a Harvey Elliott style attacking midfielder who looks really really exciting and um, I think he, he scored his first goal for the England under 17s or something like that he he's a, a really big talent and I think if we nurture these guys and actually show them there is a pathway forward and um, we change our ways a little bit and say, look, we'll, we'll put you on these new contracts and you will get your chance in the first team eventually. It, it continues to to grow because we've got the talent coming through. It's just about actually pushing them onto the next level. Um, yeah, look, it's actually – yeah, go on. Sorry, Dad. Jack. Yeah, um, ju just in case anyone doubts our commitment here in this podcast to backing the other 21s, um, you know, we we saw we saw what we thought was something pretty special um, in the summer series when we watched uh, Luke Defugeron. <clears throat> I mean, he he performed so well. I was sort of wondering whether he was actually going to break through uh, this season in, into the into the men's team. But anyway, you know, we we were sitting in a pub and talking uh, to this old Irish bloke who reckoned he could sing a bit and um, uh, just just to prove that we are really committed. You guys are going to hate me for doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, uh, we, we actually asked this old Irish bloke who reckoned he could sing to actually record something for us for the under-21s. And uh, listen, have a listen to this. This is what he put together. Chosen to start the past 
Slightly familiar voice. Yeah, my production and company is going to. Really the only get reason stuck I hate you is because you could have just sent me. The audio file and i would have yeah that's what i was literally gonna say well i mean okay yeah. this this like, we can just cut we can just like insert uh, and then just i can't be bothered in. doing that but yeah we could do that or maybe oh, well, i will do that because otherwise it ruins all the whinging about how terrible that was uh? that, that that's obviously um that's obviously um just a snippet and if if anyone's interested in hearing the, hearing the full um uh, song i'm sure jack could sort that out for them yeah, well, we gotta put it out eventually. now. Like this, this, um, this is, this is, yeah, okay. <laughs> that was terrible, Dad. But anyway, let's have a look forward. Well, let's first of all look back at the recent result for the under twenty ones. As we mentioned before, they've done really well in the EFL Trophy recently. A uh, uh, three all draw against Portsmouth, despite having Dibley Diaz sent off at half time in that game for time wasting, which was terrible, um, and losing that game on penalties, and then again. A two-all draw with Leighton Orient, another League One side. Um, unfortunate to go down in this one. A, a goal in the sixth minute of injury time for Leighton Orient, taking this game to penalties, which we lost 5-4. Um, but some really good goals. Um, Sekularak, I hope I pronounced that right, probably didn't. And Oli O'Neill with uh, goals there. Oli O'Neill, who scored a couple for us so far this season. Um, let's have a quick look at the top goal scorer charts now. It's interesting here. Marshall Godot is still sitting on top of the top goal scorer charts, despite no longer actually playing for the under 21s because <laughs> he's out on loan at Wigan. Um, but just shows how good a start of the season he got off to. He was scoring goals for fun, and he he really is uh, an he impressive looks really talent. Good. And I, I'd love to see him get in and around the first team over the next couple of years. But really, I think the best thing for him is lots of first team football. And you know, it's a good level to be playing at, playing for Wigan, who are a big club as well. They have really good support. Um, I really hope he has a good season and and puts a few balls in the back of the net because I, I think that's that's what you need as a striker is just pure confidence. But Ollie O'Neill's sitting not far behind him with four goals, Callum Osmond with three, and then a bunch of people, Callum McFarlane, Delano McCoy-Splatt, Chris Donald, Terrell Works, Giorgio Ocas, and Christian Sekularak. So they've all got two goals so far this season. Um and look, this is a really talented squad, and I'm looking forward to covering them in more depth. Um, and look, in the league so far, they are absolutely killing it. Their last three league games, a 5-2 win against Crystal Palace, a 5-1 win against Southampton, and a 6-1 drubbing of Brentford. These are really talented players, and, and I think keeping an eye on them for the rest of the season is going to be really enjoyable because, firstly, I think they're going to be winning a lot of games. I can't see teams getting past them when you're you're scoring 16 goals in your last three um, and only conceding a handful on top of that. Um, you have a look at the next upcoming fixture, Fulham take on West Bromwich Albion. That's on a Monday night. Um, I believe these games are sometimes covered by FFC TV. I'm not 100% sure that they're all covered by FFC TV, but I do know that they do get um, live tweeted as well. So 
do follow along on the Fulham Twitter for that. And then a quick look at the league table as well. Tottenham sitting top. They've played four games, one four with a goal difference of plus 14. Fulham also four games, four wins with a goal difference of plus nine. And then there's a chasing pack, Arsenal, Brighton, West Ham, Reading and Leeds, all with three wins from their opening four games. Um, It's a change to the under-21s divisions now. It used to be an under-21s Premier League and then a Division 1 below it. Fulham got promoted out of Division 1 a couple of years ago. Now they've actually amalgamated both of the leagues together. So it's a league of 24 in total. It might have actually be a league of 26 in total. Um, and I think you play every team once for the season. And so, look, I, I think it's going to be a really interesting adventure following the Fulham under-21s. I think not many people get to follow them. Um, you know, it's it, there, there's not a huge amount of coverage for youth football. And um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm really looking forward to going along for the ride. I'm, totally. I'm genuinely still very distracted by what dad just did before. So I like it. Everything's valid, but that is, that's yeah. That we're going to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good. We're going to have to play. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is my, we're going to have to play that at the end now because I feel like it was like, it's, it was crackly. It didn't make sense. <laughs> that's just going to have, you've ruined the under 21s bit there. <laughs> you've just, just completely thrown this out the window. I'm very, I'm very upset right now. That's okay. Uh, it does. It know, does remind uh, me of my grandfather, though. It's it. It was a very. It was a very long-winded kind of payoff joke. That uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Papa's smiling. It's time now. to move on, Sammy. Let's move on. Um, I like how Dad does this, and now. I get blamed. It's ridiculous. Uh, no, it's because you keep whinging about it. Let's uh, move on and talk about the Fulham women's team. And as we said, similarly to the under twenty ones, we're going to look to cover. Fulham women's in a lot more detail this season. And um, as our opening slide here says, it's an early promotion push from the Fulham women's team. And um, Dad and Sam, just your sort of general thoughts on uh, following the women's team, obviously sitting um, down the divisions, uh, a far cry from where Fulham was 20 odd years ago, winning league titles. But um, I, I think, and I know you guys feel the same way, but it's really important that we, uh, put all of our support behind every aspect of the club. And, and this is one that's important, I think, to all of us. I want everybody who listens to this podcast or you wonderful listeners to fight tooth and nail and annoy um, Fulham Twitter, Fulham Instagram, whatever you need to do to get us a full copy of the game that was played because we're mainly just going off highlights, which is annoying because I want to watch this full game. So let's, let's cause a little bit of anarchy. Let's um, uh, let's hassle some people. Cause I, I want to see the full game. Great highlights. Girls look really, really strong. And I want to be able to support and cover this in as much detail as I possibly can. I'm largely going off of highlights. So really good highlights. Great to see like the girls putting four away. That's awesome. Long may it rain. Dad, you say things. Hmm. Oh, look, I, I do agree. I mean, it's um, we, we really would love to cover this properly. And it's, 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 it's difficult to form a full picture of a highlights package, which uh, are predominantly just goals. Um, and so, yeah, if uh, whoever is listening and whoever can uh, bring that about, please help us out because uh, we, we would dearly love to study it, analyze it, watch it, mm. enjoy it, and uh, talk about it. They're strong girl goals as well. These girls are really dominant. And I really, I want to, 
I want to, I want to marinate in this. I want to, I want to fully be along for this ride, you know? One thing I will say is we, we have managed to get in contact with, um, the Fulham women's team and I, I guess the management there and the admin side of things there. And, um, We've had some early conversations about doing more to cover the women's team um, in general throughout the season, but also having a bit of access to um, some of the players. And we've been fortunate enough to um, have a lot of them on side with us as well and, and interact with them one-on-one. And I'm, I'm just sort of looking forward to, like you both sort of said, just cover it in a bit more detail. Because like like you said, we've, we've got these highlights packages and, I think the highlights package is about a minute 30 long and it's great seeing all these goals going in and seeing how well the girls play, but I'd love to be able to see the whole game and just see the movement. And, you know, um, just as an example, um, the, the man of the match was given to, uh, I'm going to test my memory now, uh, two seconds. Gosh, I should have thought about that beforehand. Um, I, I, I could have a guess. No, it was, it was given to Hill, um, trying to remember first name now in my head, um, and, and it's it's great that we can see that. But uh, there was a little description as to why the game, the, the man of the match was given to her. But unfortunately, we just don't see see all mm. of the game, so we can't actually agree with that in the first place. Like um, it, it was say. Anisha Hill. Uh, uh, apologies for um, actually not having that prepared. And Anisha Hill was given man of the match. Played a superb role in switching play on Sunday, constantly battling for the ball. Unfortunately, in the highlights package, we weren't able to actually see that. And I would have loved to have seen that. that uh, Anisha might be our Jao Polina for the Fulham women's team. We just don't even know. Um, and no, and she's well, Alicia, kind of Alicia's, Alicia's dad's probably got the video. <laughs> right. Anisha, Anisha, thank you. Um, but yeah, look, I, I definitely um, want to actually put a bit more effort in. And to, uh, like you said, it'd be great to put a bit of pressure on the club to actually release those full 90 minutes or at least give us some sort of access to them so that we can cover it in a bit more detail. But we have done a, a bit of homework here, so we've been able to to put a few things together. Firstly, let's actually look at that game against Salt Dean on the weekend. 4-1 victory to Fulham away from home. Our first victory on the road this season as well, which is um, a bit of a... Uh, what's the thing off your back? A ca- a cam- I was going to say a camel off your back. That's not what it's called. Um, a burden off our back, I guess. A mon- it's it's a one of those. A monkey off your back. That's what I'm looking for. Um, and, and a really, a really good win as well because Saltine was sitting second in the table, had got off to a really good start themselves as well. So I think going into this game, we looked at it and thought this is going to be a bit of a tough one. And you come out, come came away from last week with a really good result and you kind of go into this going, right, I hope we can keep that momentum up and keep pushing forward and get a good result out of this. And to be 2-0 up after 25 minutes is a really great way to, to actually start mm. this game. But then to really put it to bed as well and and go on to win the game 4-1, really disappointing, obviously, um, to concede late on and not get that clean sheet, but still a really convincing win, Dad. Mm. Well, interesting you say that Salt Dean were on a bit of a run. Um, you know, if you, if you look at the highlights of the last couple of goals going in, they look a pretty despondent lot, Salt Dean. Um, they look well and truly, you know, beaten and disinterested at that point. And that shows and illustrates that we've obviously done a real job on them and, and, um, you know, there was there, there seemed to be a lot left in some legs in in the Fulham team 
towards the end mm. and kind of disarray um, at at the back, certainly for Saldine. Uh, I I don't think I'm reading too much into uh, a couple of minutes of highlights. I think that was pretty evident. No, nah, it looked pretty dominant. And again, I'm I and and another thing as well. I'm just so happy to see a Fulham team playing pink. I love this strip. I love this strip so much, and I just want to see more of it. And it really hurts my feelings that the boys haven't played in this strip yet. Because we could have done it against Man City, and we went for the third kit, which I know Dad was happy about. But I love the obnoxious pink. So I just really, I really, I really like seeing at least the girls playing in it. Yeah, look, I, I think it's hard to say that Saltine were despondent at that point. I, I think we we just played really well. I mean, that second goal um, for Georgia Heisman um, is really good work down the wing from Mia Adway, I think it was, who works really hard, chases a, a bit of a loose back header and then lays it off beautifully for Georgia to basically hit it into the back of an open net. But um, I, I want to talk about the first goal especially and... Um, I'll, I'll actually bring it up on our live stream. I know this is only for those people following on live, but we can talk it through at the same time um, because it's not often that you see a goal scored with an outswinging corner going straight yeah. into the back of the net. Yeah. that's. Yeah, awesome. I've seen, well, seen that before. I've seen a lot of players score um, there was, by, by swinging the ball into the far mm. corner and, and getting yeah. it. but. To, to actually basically hit the ball dead straight and somehow get it in the side netting. What, well, what it actually, no, it actually hit the post. It deflected in off the post. I, I had to watch it a couple of times. No, no, obviously it's nigh impossible with your right foot uh, to actually get the ball in the back of the net unless you're doing some real magic in the air. But that's a pretty dead high strike. Um, didn't uh, um, Tia Foreman do something similar a couple of weeks earlier? She did, yeah. So weirdly, that is our second goal direct from a corner um, this mm. season, which um, I, I hope they're working on that on the training ground because that is a very <laughs> niche thing to be working on in training. <laughs> well, I was I was going to say it exude it exudes just like extreme talent pissing around in training. Like that's essentially trick shots, which like you can only really do when like you're messing around like the highest level. I remember there was a video weirdly like years ago of like Harry Maguire doing a whole bunch of like those trick shots. I'm not sure if you've seen that. Like from like the corner, he did a couple of ones of those, but like it's so hard to do that in a game with like high pressure. So that just kind of gives you an idea of like where like the girls are actually at in terms of like their confidence and just being able to pull stuff off like that. It's awesome. It's really good to see. I think also it's 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 just really good to see the ball getting put into good areas as well. Uh, obviously, the keepers struggled there a little bit. The ball's gone over the top of her head, but you're putting the ball to the back post, making the keeper work hard to actually get near it. Um, even if that doesn't go in, it's it's gone over the top of the keeper and caused a lot of issues for the defence there. So I, I think putting balls into the right areas, we talk about it all the time. We um, it, It's the most important thing. And um, we saw that with the second goal as well, Georgia Heisman getting her first for the afternoon. Um, a proper poacher's finish. Ball comes across from the left. I think it might have been uh, Mia Attaway again for the assist. I unfortunately no, no, I don't couldn't think it was. quite see who it was. Could have been Lily Lambert, maybe. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I, I want to say it was uh, Sophie Manzi, but I could be wrong. Possible, um, possible. I... But it's it's a really good ball across the face of the goal. And Georgia Heisman, you know, classic Mitro style, right place, right time there for the tap in and. Um, makes absolutely no mistakes there as well. Puts it away. Well, she and, uh, uh, 
two nil victory, uh, two nil victory, two nil lead there at half time. She she actually anticipates it beautifully and peels off. The, def- the defender is actually, kind of, well, I wouldn't say ball watching, but not certainly not watching where where Heisman is, and she peels off and you know unopposed. Uh, really nice finish, beautiful finish. Mm. Just good movement in the box, which is exactly what you want to see from your striker. Um, and then second half as well, Heisman's second goal for the afternoon. We'd sort of touched on it before. Really good work from um, Mia Attaway down the flank. Um, she gets the ball in, hits it sort of over the top of her head and runs onto it. Defender gets there first and, and aims a header back to the keeper, but massively underhits it. But the main thing here is um, Attaway just actually following up the ball and continuing to chase it down. Does a really good job getting to the ball and a, a beautiful layoff as well. It was really deft, I'd say, is the best way to describe it. To the feet of Georgia Heesman, who has an open goal to put away her second for the afternoon. And then I think um, Mia Attaway really deserved that goal as well that she finished off with. A sweeps the ball home from around about the penalty spot into the far corner. Really uh, just a solid finish. And that's what you want to see is when you're putting shots on goal, you're actually putting them away. Um, mm. And, and yeah, that, like I said, unfortunately conceded one right at the death there, but uh, a really good performance. That that third goal I thought was, um, it, well, certainly the, the 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 probably the standout team goal of the day. Obviously, some really mm. good individual talent, but I think it was Sophie Manzier who wins the header, bounces beautifully for Mia Attaway, and um, she she does an almost she she turns her opponent. And and almost Paul Gascoigne style flips it over her head, <laughs> mm. um, and then pressurizes the the fullback, who panics and underhits a back pass or sort of back pass header, which forces the keeper out, and and and, and she sees the sees the moment and Attaway's onto it, but with incredible composure, could have had a shot, but cuts it back with the outside of a foot. And um, and then uh, uh, Heisman, who who I personally like to prefer to uh, refer to as G uh, on the inside, but um, um, great finish, and she 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 gets a a fair thumping for a for a work as well, and uh, a really really good finish. Uh, let's I... have a quick look. Go on, Sammy. Oh, it's just it just just dad's on personal terms with G apparently that's just yeah sorry look at that's up. had a couple yeah I, I I don't need to I I, I believe you I, I I trust I trust in your relationship anyway let's have a quick look at the table um Dartford currently sitting top very comfortably five wins from five games um 15 points Fulham sitting beautifully in second though three wins are drawn a loss from our opening five games 10 points on the board uh, we do have Ebbsfleet and Saltdean just behind us on nine points, but um, look, the the run in over the next few weeks is really, really good for Fulham. Um, I believe we played Dulwich, Millwall, Aylesford, Enfield, and Dorking. So uh, it might be Sutton and Dulwich um, that we play, but basically we play all the teams in the bottom half of the table over the next five or six weeks. There's a real opportunity for us to actually pick up full points in that time. Um, looking at Dartford's run in that time, they've actually got a pretty tough one. I think they have to play Ebbsfleet, Saltdean and Ashford. So we do have an opportunity here to put a lot of pressure on Dartford. And I think the main thing for Fulham, uh, and we've seen it when uh, we talk about the men's team as well, when they were chasing promotion out of the championship for, for a couple of years, it's all about just keeping the pressure on. 
Um, that team uh, as a Dartford are going to be looking over their shoulders constantly. Um, uh, we know that only one team gets promoted out of this league. And so it's really important that you don't let anything slip. And as soon as Dartford drop a point, Fulham need to be there ready to take that spot. And, and so I, I really hope that um, the girls can take all the confidence from the last five fixtures and, and really push forward and, and put together a really good run. If we have a look at the opening five fixtures of the season, um, the one-all draw with Ashford and the 2-1 uh, loss to Dartford, obviously slightly disappointing, but still good results against teams. You know, Dartford sitting top and unbeaten so far. Um, to lose 2-1 to them is, is kind of understandable. Ashford, first game of the season, it's sort of finding your feet. But they've really hit the ground running. 14 goals in the last three games, conceding just four and three wins on the trot. I, I just really hope that we take this confidence through for the next few fixtures and and um, really make something of it and really put a run together and put some pressure on that top spot. Um, having a look at the top goal scorers for the women so far this season, um, Dad, your best mate apparently, Georgia Heesman sitting on top with four goals. Um, overtook Sophie Manzi, who's had a really good start to the year as well. She was on three goals. Um, Sasha Adamson, Tia Foreman, both on two goals each. And then um, we've got Edie Bushell, Lily Lambert, Megaly Mendez, Mia Adway, and Maddie Parsonson, all with a goal apiece. Um, but, uh, you know, what we want is seeing those strikers putting away goals week in, week out. And early season, it's good to see that that they're getting the confidence behind them and actually putting in putting in a big shift and, and scoring those goals early doors. That's what we need. Uh, looking good. forward. Go on, sorry. I was going to ask you, Jack, if you could just flip back to that previous slide. Um, how many of the girls in on that leaderboard, the goal-scoring leaderboard, uh, new transfers in? Oh, gosh, I knew you'd ask me that. Uh, I know um, Sophie joined this season. Um Sasha Adamson joined from Hashtag FC. Lily Lambert, I think, might have been a new signing. Maddie Parsonson's definitely come across as a new signing. I think that's from Dulwich. Um, and then you're pushing me for my knowledge. That's uh, pretty good to be able to name that many just quietly. Um, uh, I'm still is, still uh, getting my head around it all. Yeah. But go ahead. I'm, no, no yeah. I think if, if – well, you could have just made that up, but if you haven't, you've done really well there. Um, I, I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> How long is? Mate, uh, I'm not even close enough club? to Georgina. I'm not even close enough with G to call her G. I'm just calling her Georgia. I'm not going to overstep. No one is. Just quiet. Neither Let's am just put I, that out. No one is. Yeah. Neither Thank am you. I. But I'm, I'm still going to call her G. Um, how long has she been at the club, Jack? You know, Georgia Heisman. Uh, let me try and dig and work it out. Um, at least a couple of years. I don't think she's a new signing this season. She definitely was with us last year. Um, but I think last year might have been her first year with Fulham. So, uh, like I said, uh, I feel really bad not knowing full details yet, but we will definitely work our way up there to being proper experts on the Fulham women's team and do bear with us while we get there because um, we will. I, th I think George has been there for probably three years maybe based on um, what I remember. Um, but, you know, it, it's good to see. Obviously, Sophie Manzi's come in as a striker as well. And um, we'll be pushing. So it's nice to see that there's a bit of competition in some of the spots. And we've made some really good signings this year. The, the, the biggest thing to, to know with a lot of these signings we've made is that we're signing players from one, two divisions above us. And it, it shows real um, 
uh, I guess, forward thinking that we're looking to get promoted and put together a kind of squad that is almost too good for this league because that's that's kind of what you need to be to get out of this league because of the fact that there's only one position available for automatic promotion you do need to be good enough to uh, to be much better rather than all the other teams around you and so it looks like we're actually putting in an effort to build a good squad it does look like Dartford have a good squad as well though so I I expect we're going to be fighting with them for the rest of the season for that automatic promotion spot any other things you want to Test me on to try and catch me out and see. Yeah, well, I was actually, I was actually, I was actually going to say. It wasn't my intention. I was actually going to say that, Jack, you should not feel bad for not knowing all the information. If it doesn't get the exposure it deserves, because then, because <laughs> we're, we're in the process of giving it that exposure. So, you know what? You should not feel bad about that. It should be, it shouldn't be your job to search up desperately information it should be more well known and that's what we're doing right here i I, yeah i agree with that and thank you for saying that i i i I more feel bad because like you said the information is just not out there so um I, i piece it together through instagram through twitter through the occasional posts from the fulham women's page and and i do appreciate all the people who put in the effort to report a lot of that news. Fulham Lilies obviously do a really good job following the women and support the women. And there's a, a few people out there in the um, Fulham community, I guess, who do the same. Uh, obviously, the Hammy End do report on the women's games as well and put match reports together. But I just I just want to I want to do a bit more than that, if that makes sense. And I, I think this is a really good platform to do that. And uh, look, it's, it's not going to be um, regular week in, week out because, um, you know, like like we said, there's Unfortunately, at this stage, there's only the highlights packages we're able to go off. And um, once we get access to those 90 minutes, I think we'll be able to really go into a bit more depth and, and start to know these players inside out, which is kind of what we want. Mm. To to reiterate the point, um, and I did, didn't actually pick that up, that Anisha Hill was nominated as the player of the match, but um, I, I, was, I, I wasn't even aware that until very late that um, Mia Attaway actually came on as a sub and got two mm. goals and an assist. And she nearly got a third one as well with a really, really good header right at the end. Um, and you could easily, from that highlights package, have kind of wanted to give her the badge. Um, yeah. But ob- obviously, um, you know, other players had contributed an awful lot, which didn't result in goals, but were very valuable. So yes, please can we have some more? I was about to say, mm-hmm. mate, you can't blame yourself for not getting the exposure. You know, we're, we're, ju- we're just mm-hmm. one. Well, it, sh- it should be of many, but we are just mm-hmm. the one. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Let's look forward though and um, shine some light on the upcoming game. Fulham now have a run of fixtures at Mottsburg Park. I think the next four Fulham games are all at home. The next one, Sunday, the 24th of September, against Millwall Lionesses. Um, it's a 2.30 kickoff. Uh, like I said, I don't think these games, unfortunately, get covered by Fulham uh, FC TV. I, I believe um, the Fulham Lilies are, are, and Fulham Supporters Trust are actually putting some pressure on the club to get these games included in FFC TV going forward. And um, I, I echo that completely. I would love to see that happen because I think the under-21s, the women's, the under-18s, the, these sides should be, uh, we, we should have access to these guys. But, uh, and, you know, it shouldn't be that you have to live 
within a, a short drive of Motspur Park to go and see these people play. They all play for Fulham and we're all Fulham fans at the end of the day. And, um, you know, I, I love being able to watch the men's team every Saturday night. I would actually love to be able to watch the, the women's team as well um, every Sunday as well. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think we can all just say, please do get behind the women. And if you do live in the area or even if you um, don't live that close to Motswe Park, I think it's still worth getting out there especially um, for, for games like this against a team like Millwall, who will probably bring a few supporters along themselves. It'd be great to really see those attendance numbers push up as the season progresses. Or even if you don't live in the area, if, you're, if you live in Nigeria, if you live in Australia, if you live in Japan, email Fulham TV, email Fulham TV and say, give us the full version of this match. We want to see the women's. Because you know what? If everyone listening here does it, and if they get like overrun with emails saying we want to see this, they will put it up. They just need to know that there's an audience that want to see it, and we are part of that audience. And if anyone, yeah, cool. uh, you know, harking, cool. you know, just harking back to uh, the uh, under twenty ones, if anyone saw that game against Leighton Orient, it was very exciting and well worth a watch. I can't imagine that any any Fulham fan wouldn't really enjoy that. So. There's, there's, there's plenty of stuff to feast your eyes on here. And as Jack said, if you're a Fulham fan, why would you not want to get around all of it? Um, yeah, e- yeah, exactly. Um, so look, guys, we, we've it's actually been great to cover effectively three different teams all in one podcast. And um, I think we've done hopefully a really good job in, in covering everything. And uh, I'm looking forward to a big weekend Um you know, the, the men's team take on Crystal Palace on Saturday. We have the under-21s taking on uh, West Brom. I think that game is on Sunday. Let me just double-check that. Uh, sorry, the game's Monday night against West Brom. Uh, that's at Keys Park. And then uh, the women taking on Millwall at Motspur on Sunday. So it, it's a weekend full of Fulham fixtures. And hopefully we see Fulham bring home three wins. And I think it's actually a really good opportunity for Fulham to bring home three wins from three between the the men's, the um, under-21s and the women's team. So um, good luck to everyone going out there and putting on the Fulham shirt this weekend because um, we, we really hope that we have a clean sweep this weekend. So, guys, I, I think we're probably ready to wrap it up there. It's been a decent, long podcast, and we've managed to get through a lot of stuff. So thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Dad, thanks for coming on tonight. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Uh, nice to talk about uh, a variety of things. And uh, I, I hope uh, that we can continue to to follow the 21s and the women. We're looking forward to it. And Sammy, thank you as well. Yeah, you're welcome. And I, I know I know you're wrapping up, but I do I do want to I'll, I'll pull it down. And I want to shout out the fact that we've been officially doing this for over a year now. I think that's crazy impressive from us that we've like stuck it out. We're fully, we're fully cemented here in doing that. And I think that's a milestone that I want to, I want to um, say with admiration and pride and like may, maybe we can go into more detail on it next episode. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I feel like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of us. I'm, pr- I'm proud of, I'm proud of my family members and yeah. And thank you for having me. It's actually classic that uh, I think our one-year anniversary was actually a couple of weeks ago and it totally passed us by. 
And then I remembered it during the week and said, oh, geez, we should really post about that and post it up on Twitter. And then I've just completely forgotten about it again coming into this podcast. But <laughs> yeah, you're right. I think we really should actually cover it. Maybe um, when we catch up again, uh, hopefully on Sunday, Sammy, this time, not Monday, um, okay. we'll actually sit down and uh, and reminisce a little bit about the, the last 12 months because, like you said, it has been um, a really enjoyable experience. I, I hope for everyone involved and um, I hope ev- all of our listeners as well have found it very enjoyable. It's just great to think those first few episodes and we only had a, a small handful of people actually listening and downloading the podcast and thinking, wow, we had 30 people listen to us talk about Fulham. That's crazy. And just to yeah. see the growth that we've had over the last 12 months, it's um, yeah, it's, like it's pretty cool. It? Uh, yep. gets bigger than that, but yeah, we'll take yeah. 500. Um, yeah. No, we, um, it, it's been, it's been really good um, and a really enjoyable experience. And uh, thank you to everyone who, has been involved over the last 12 months, both on field and off field, I guess. Um, it's it's really appreciated everyone who's um, given us support. It's sufficiently So now that I can actually our... wrap it up. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say it's sufficiently has... annoyed all of our um, partners and wives and girlfriends, but it's, it's all been for a good cause. <laughs> you ready for me to actually wrap up now, Sammy? I don't know. I've been feeling like I, like I'm like my star sign is. I can I can keep going. I don't know. Where's the mute button or remove? Actually, that's probably better. That's the orchestra. <laughs> I think you're looking at the orchestra button. I think you're looking for movie Squarespace. Right okay. Well, <laughs> anyway, thank you again to everyone for joining us tonight. Thank you for listening in. If you download this podcast, uh, please do share it with your friends. Um, spread the spread the love. Spread the word. And uh, until next time, come on, you whites. Mm-hmm.